Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. Immigrants are awesome. We are adventurous, adaptable, ambitious, community-driven, and naturally entrepreneurial. As the Harvard Business Review wrote in one of their articles, the immigrant mindset is one to strive for in order to advance your career. This episode's guest exhibits all of these qualities and more. In 2013, Elena met a stranger on a train in Moscow who introduced her to the idea of moving to Canada. Not long after that, she was packing her bags in search of a new challenge and has not looked back since. And I was just freezing in those like winter boots, you know, the flat ones, the ugly ones uh, in my ski jacket. And I was like, oh, my God, I was just checking my pictures from like even 10 years ago, how I used to look in Russia on high heels with a short skirt. <laughs> and uh, when I arrived to Canada, people would not like get me like, what? what is the occasion? You know, why would you wear high heels? Are you going for an interview or something as well? You know, so. Together, we chat about Russia and its people, share some career and immigration tips for international students, and dish out a serious dose of that immigrant inspiration. Let's start the show. Hi, Elena. How are you? I'm good, Kate. How are you? I am well. I hope you're staying warm with this crazy snowstorm that we just got in Ontario. It looked really deep where you are, right? It's Oakville you're at? It's, yeah, it's Oakville, Ontario. Uh, it was fun. It was fun for kids. Uh, so I have two kids. So we were having fun. I think them, right? Not me and my husband shoveling the snow. <laughs> but <laughs> right. them making snowmans and snow angels were, were great, actually. Exactly. Yeah. You know, snow looks really nice out the window, but as soon as you have anything to actually do like go to work or get the kids to school not so fun hundred <laughs> percent yeah but you had your kids um they were supposed to go back to school and then boom snow day so you had them back at home and um doing online learning and all of that lovely stuff I'm sure you're uh feeling and that. working <laughs> yeah and working at the same time so thank god my husband took a vacation right before that we didn't even know and he was like, oh, my God, I'm not actually enjoying my vacation much <laughs> because this, the, the children are at home and shoveling and cleaning all the snow took like two days, you know? Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. And I don't think I've seen a storm like that in in my five years living here because in my memory, I always feel like the snow falls overnight and then you kind of wake up and it's like, oh, it's snowed and there's a load of snow on the ground. But this was kind of all night and then all the next day consistently. It just didn't stop. So this was a new one for me as well. It's wild. Totally, totally. I remember something like that maybe like nine years ago when I arrived actually to Canada. I think there was a lot of snow. Yeah. Uh, but since then, no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Even the Canadians though, because you go on social media and everyone's just sharing their funny videos and the photos. And so it kind of just took over all our lives for a while. 
Yeah, yeah. I saw your video as well. It was, it was pretty funny. Uh, I actually saved that audio. Maybe I'll do something else <laughs> with the next yes. nowadays. Oh my gosh, audio. that English girl that's like, I've got school. It's just so frustrating when you're not going anywhere. And I work from home anyway, but it's like, I'm knowing I can't leave even if I wanted to. It's, um, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> What's your go-to snow activity? You mentioned the kids were busy out and doing snow angels. Is there, did you manage to do anything else fun with them or? I, uh, Right now we're working from home as well, like me my and my husband, uh, due to pandemic and hopefully it will continue. I'm actually a fan of working from home, to be honest with you, as a mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, we went to bogging during lunch. So it was fun, you know? So it's uh, actually one of the advantages when you work from home, you can take a short break and just go and, uh, enjoy stuff with kids. Yeah. <laughs> Little midday toboggan sesh. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, welcome. It's great to have you. I'm excited to chat with you about your journey. You've lived here since 2013 and you've built such a successful career in Canada and now you help international students find work, which is awesome. So welcome and thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you so much, Kate. Uh, I actually was very happy that uh, we agreed to do this session because uh, I, I didn't see anybody representing Russia, where I'm from, and I I think no. what you're doing is really, really impressive. So people should talk about the, the the countries they're coming from, the challenges and lessons that they learned. So I'm yes. excited. Yes, welcome. I'm excited too, because yeah, as I mentioned to you, I haven't had anyone from Russia yet. So that's a good segue. So as always, let's start things off with, with learning all about your country of origin, which is beautiful Russia. What can you tell us about the, the world's largest country? Um, so yeah, actually it's uh, the, the biggest country in the world, right? Is, is bigger than Canada. Um, I was actually Googling when you asked me what other, uh, what is the size of Russia? And I found out that it's, uh, 1.7 times bigger than Canada. So that's, uh, wow. pretty interesting. Huge. And, um, pre COVID, I used to travel a lot to Russia. So, um, and I guess we'll talk about it as well. So I, I actually, working with international students, bringing them from uh, different parts of the world to study in Canada. So it's called um, a student recruiter in universities and colleges. Quite an interesting uh, mm-hmm. uh, industry to be at. And um, uh, right before pandemic, I used to be um, working in another company, traveling a lot to this region, to Russia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. So, and all my colleagues were like always surprised uh of my intense traveling because Russia is so big and they're like 11 time zones you know so it right. takes forever. and a train there's one railway that goes through like eight different time zones the largest railway or the, the longest li- railway yeah that's exactly. crazy <laughs> yeah so that that's uh, an interesting fact as well so not many people know i think about it that Russia has 11 time zones Another interesting thing is that uh, Russia has uh, their own uh, seven wonders. That's how they they call them. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, like those seven wonders of the world. So Russia also has uh, their local ones. And uh, they were like selected by like the voting system. So residents of the country were actually voting. Uh, I don't remember exactly the year, but uh, there are like some natural wonders, uh, some actually architectural ones as well. So that's pretty cool. So may- many people probably saw Moscow's uh, St. Basil's Cathedral, right? The mm-hmm. Orthodox Church that is in uh, Moscow uh, in the square, in the Red Square. Uh, and many, many more like uh, Mount Elbrus, is one of them, you know. Then we have uh, 
beautiful nature, like in Kamchatka, um, which is, uh, uh, Eastern part of Russia, right? With like a valley of, uh, uh, geysers. That's, uh, if I pronounce it correctly. Mm-hmm. Sorry for my pronunciation anyway. So yeah, that's, that's, um, beautiful. And, uh, another thing, uh, uh, what, um, I learned, I think more, uh, when I immigrated to Canada that Russians are one of the most uh, direct and uh, superstitious people in the world. Mm-hmm. So we are very superstitious. So we have like superstition pretty much for everything, <laughs> you know, that I had to actually overcome sometimes and thinking, oh my God, this is actually nonsense. Um, and uh, yeah, we are quite direct, which could be advantage and disadvantage sometimes as well. What's some examples of superstitions? I'm so interested by that. Uh, so one of the common ones, and I think it's common in many parts of the world when, when a, a black cat is crossing a road, you know, so you should not go to that direction. Uh-huh. I don't know if, if for instance, a fork or a spoon falls on the, on the floor, then there's a man or a female would come to visit you very soon, you know, like the same day. So this oh. kind of stuff. I read actually, that's funny, when I was reading up on Russia, I read that back, back in the day, you know, hundreds of years ago, when they were first building the buildings in Russia, they would send a cat in first because the person that walked into the house first would die. True. And the cats have nine lives. So they, they, they just sent the cat in and it would take one of the cat's lives. And then if the cat didn't go in the house, then they would just tear it down and rebuild somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's uh, It gets so crazy as well. Uh, people still that. prefer actually to uh, the cat to enter a, a new place uh, first. That's, wow. I think, from those um, years. Yeah. That's so that's cool. Nice. That's so interesting to me. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was going to be something that I've written down to talk to you about because um, that is a common stereotype that Russians are very direct and you can come across quite serious because compared to other cultures where, you know, we just smile at strangers passing by, you know, in the Russian culture, smiles aren't commonly thrown around, right? Instead, they're much more reserved to to show only genuine kind of good moods and relationships and things like that. I was wondering if you could talk to speak to that really, because I saw, I read that Russians are are taught not to smile in school. It's kind of like, what are you smiling for? Right. (laughs) Totally, totally. Uh, I actually remind myself constantly that I need to smile. That's Mm. true. When I'm, for instance, uh, being interviewed for a job, sometimes I catch myself, I'm thinking, oh, I actually didn't smile. I think to the people I should smile more, you know? So I I still keep developing the skills after like nine years being here in Canada. It takes uh, an effort, maybe, maybe less, but I think I'm more smiley than those people living in Russia. I mean, I have siblings there, you know, so... I, 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 I see the difference. <laughs> and there is a saying in Russia, commonly used, laugh, uh, is, is a, is a sign of, uh, being silly or, or dumb or stupid, you know? Mm. So, so they, they kind of tend to tell this to kids. And it's just like a Russian saying, which, uh, I personally disagree with, right? So, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it became like more cultural, you know, you know? Uh, yeah. as well as our history was very complex with all these wars that we participated in, you know, and, and cold war with, with the U.S. and so on and so forth. So, uh, it, I think it brought this, um, narrative, right? Why we, we are so serious maybe sometimes. So. Yeah. That's so interesting because as you mentioned, it is a cultural thing. And when you move to Canada, 
you know, it's really the extreme opposite where everyone's like, hey, welcome to the store. Have a good day. Like it's all, it's almost fake in a way, right? So that must have been a real adjustment for you. And then to go back to Russia as well, your siblings, they must pick up on your kind of sunny, sunny Western, like American smile face as well. And, and have they, have they mentioned that to you that you're kind of insufferable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. It, it looks suspicious, you know, like, what do you want from me? Why are you like uh, so friendly? <laughs> <laughs> so that's so good I almost yeah. like it in a way though you know if I can get a Russian to smile at me I know it's not fake right you know there's no kind of facade there it's a real reaction and I know that that person truly likes me so I'm like yes like got a Russian to smile that's so cool that, yeah 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 yeah. that's very very true yeah I guess maybe it's a bit, a bit different with those who've been living here for a while who were like um, uh, brought up here right in, in uh, North American culture or Western culture but uh, it is totally, totally different uh, in, in Russia. So it's just something good to know when you travel there, I think. So it's nothing wrong with you. It's just like... Right. But but people are... I, I, don't get me wrong. They are friendly. Uh, they are uh, welcoming. They're very hospitable. It just there, as you said, facade, right? So it's just like the first impression um, that is quite wrong about Russians as well, I think, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so true. So where did you grow up in Russia? Tell us about where you grew up. What was the landscape like? Was it a big city? Was it more more rural? This is a big country, so. <laughs> uh, so was, yeah, it's a big country, true. So I was born in Ulyanovsk. Um, I don't know if you know one of the political uh, communist leader like Lenin. So he was bo- uh, born there. And his his last name is Ulyanov, so uh, the the city was named by by his name, and uh, it's a we call it a smaller city, but I think uh, comparing with Canada, we do have some towns with, with this population. So it's basically six hundred thousand people uh, living there. Um, it's thousand thousand kilometers to southeast southeast from from Moscow. So, uh, mm-hmm. as you said, the country is big. Um, I live there with my siblings, with my, my, I have a brother and a sister. Uh, we have quite a big family. Um, mixed, mixed family because, uh, my grandma from father's side, she used to be Muslim. My mom is a Christian. So following like Orthodox, uh, um, religion. Uh, and not many people actually know about it that Russia has lots and lots of nationalities that are not known uh, outside. So, for instance, as an example, if you're curious, my father and his side are considered to be Tartars, and my mom is Mordovian, you know? So these are different mm-hmm. nationalities, and they have their own local language as well, apart from oh, wow. Russian. So, um, so you speak different languages, I'm guessing. How many? I'm not. No, they didn't teach us really. I know some rhymes that, that like parents were like, uh, you know, uh, teaching us in, in, when we were children. Um, some swear words, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, not really. But some okay. people do when they think they immersed in their, uh, culture more when, you know, like one nation ma- marries the same nation. I guess that's, um, uh, that's more common to know a- a- another language. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, that's really cool. It just shows, you know, well, my knowledge of Russia entirely consists of what is shown in the animated film Anastasia. <laughs> so I'm sure that's really accurate. Um, but yeah, throughout my childhood, I was in love with that film and its music and its mystery, you know, like I was so fascinated by by that story and St. Petersburg's, you know, colourful buildings that are portrayed in it and the snow. So yeah, obviously beautiful. there's so much more to Russia than, than that movie. But um, yeah, did, yeah, you, did yeah. you watch that movie growing up? Yes, yes, I did. Um, to be honest with you, like St. Petersburg is Moscow, as, as you probably heard already, they're kind of different than the rest mm. of Russia. Uh, there's a lot of money circulating in this kind of cities, right? In, um, in, uh, financial and, uh, we call it St. Petersburg is a cultural capital of Canada, uh, of Russia, sorry. And, uh, yeah, Ulyana Square I'm from is a smaller town, uh, not as, I would say, developed in a way. Um, you know, a lot of, um, there is no like much middle class in Russia. So, you know, that, that I see in, uh, in Canada at least. So you can see like either very wealthy people or poor people, right? So middle class is still kind of developing and hopefully it will continue. So, yeah, aside from friends and family, which of course you miss after moving away, are there any other things about Russia that you miss? What are some of your, your favorite things about the country? Vodka. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was, that was going to be my question. I was like, how many vodka shots can you handle in one go? I don't know if that was too stereotypical. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for this question uh, because many people ask, right? It's like a perception, a preconceptions about like Russians drinking a lot and, uh, Love it. I don't know, all this like babushka crap. So, um, uh, actually, um, I would say I don't drink, to be honest with you. I, I drink like just white wine. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I see that Russians are actually into the quite a healthy lifestyle, the new generation. Uh, as well as my parents, they, they really never seen my dad being drunk, to be honest with you. So I think mm-hmm. my husband drinks more. Uh, he's from India. So, but don't get me wrong. Of course, people drink there. I always compare it like with a uh, weed culture here in Canada, right? So uh, we have weed here in Canada. Russians have uh, good vodka there or bad vodka <laughs> there exist as well. Um, but apart from like what I miss, it's a, a rich culture. To be honest with you, like Russians are very like they're, they're serious in a way and they're culturally deep, you know? Mm. with all this like uh, it comes with like uh, they love to suffer honestly you know it just because of the complain <laughs> history complain and when you suffer i think you think a lot as well so there's a lot of like uh great literature you know like ballad and and, and right. theater is also kind of a part of our rich culture and history um i I, I do love my, my country and I, I always like follow the news and, uh, try to go there, uh, every year. Um, and thank God I, I can actually afford doing so uh, pretty much every year. So that's great. Mm. What about walking in high heels? Cause that's another stereotype huh? that Russians, you can just walk blocks and blocks in like six inch heels. I used to do it. I used <laughs> to do it. We were actually talking yesterday, um, while we were tobogging with kids. And there were like a few moms and I was just freezing in those like winter boots, you know, the flat ones, the ugly ones, uh, in my ski jacket. And I was like, Oh my God. I was just checking my pictures from like even 10 years ago, how I used to look in Russia. 
uh, minus like 20 kilos skinnier on high heels with a short skirt. And, uh, when I arrived to Canada, people would not like get me like, I like, what, what is the occasion? You know, why would you wear high heels? Are you going for an interview or something as well? You know, so, uh, they love to overdress themselves. They like to show off in a way. So if you come to like Moscow, you will see a lot of fancy cars, you know, People wearing like fur coats, um, brands, and maybe you, you see Russians traveling to other countries as well. They love this kind of stuff. We do change. So I did change. Actually, I saw that it's like not that comfortable, you know, and, uh, yeah, I actually gave all my high heels to my sister, younger sister. <laughs> oh, so lucky. She... That's awesome. Well, at least you were prepared for the winter anyway. So you're not going to be one of these guests that I have that was shocked by the Canadian winter because you, you'd already experienced snow and those temperatures and or colder temperatures too. You know, the, the coldest town on earth is in Russia. I looked up, it was minus 77 is the, the lowest it's got there. I cannot even. I can't even imagine. I feel like your eyeballs would freeze, but <laughs> um, at least you weren't shocked with that. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, but where I'm from, the weather pretty much is uh, in Ontario. Um, not that the crazy. The same. Not, yeah, pretty much the same. Not crazy temperatures, but that's true. But thank, thank God to Canada because uh, we keep it warm inside, right? In Canada. So uh-huh. like if you're indoors, it's warm. The same as in Russia. Uh, comparing with like UK, let's say when I was yeah. traveling there. Oh my God. You don't want to be there in winter, right? Cause you're freezing outside and no, inside. It's so true. The infrastructure is just not not done well <laughs> I know and everyone always thinks you know oh how can you live in Canada it's so cold and I'm, I'm I say to them you know it's it feels colder in England sometimes because it's damp and it gets in your house and it's drafty and you got to stand by these radiators just trying to like rub your hands together over it it's just yeah it's different for sure totally but at least I always think in Russia as well, it's, you know, it can be quite cold and gray a lot of the time, but then you have these beautiful buildings in the cities that are colorful. I feel like, is that maybe the reason why they're colorful other than obviously the history and the architectural design? But I always think that it brightens it up too. It must be nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not everywhere. And I guess you, you may be, usually when people talk about colorful buildings, they're talking about St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow, you know, and why is it so uh, colorful? Church of the Savior in St. Petersburg. I love that one. It's like straight out of like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's very true. But the rest of Russia, it's kind of gray, you know, it's, um, I mean, majority of the, of the, of the, the buildings and architecture. So Soviet architecture was not always pretty, you know, they have like this, um, uh, apartment buildings that are just like grain made of blocks. Um, uh. and there's not that much sun in some areas, but it depends where you are. It's so diverse. You know, if you heard of Sochi and you probably heard about Sochi a lot with the uh, past Olympic games, it's one of the warmest uh, spots in Russia, right? So, uh, a lot of sun. Awesome. Okay, so let's go back in time to 2013 when you moved to Canada at the age of 26 to to study here. So tell us about how you came to make that decision. A good question. So uh, I, as I said, I'm from a smaller town. Then uh, at the age of 17, I moved to Moscow. And Moscow is huge. Uh, back in the days, it was uh, 15 million people living there. Now oh, I wow. think it's probably 20. I actually didn't check uh, on Google what, what it is right now. So it's a big city. Um, people from a smaller towns, they 
tend to younger people tend to come to like St. Petersburg and Moscow to build their career. Um, we call it conquer Moscow. If you conquer Moscow, you conquer the Russia, you know, and pre prove mm-hmm. yourself. So that's what it is. That's what I had in my head as well. When I came to, to study my, I did my bachelor in Moscow State University, which is one of the best universities in Russia. Not really well known. I think, um, here much I was working right after like for five years in Russia, had my uh, apartment there. Everything was uh, set up, you know, long story short. And uh, one day I was, I think, uh, traveling on a train to my home city to visit my parents again. We were very connected. And I met that lady who started to talk about Canada and her, I think, granddaughter who immigrated here. And that that time, like not that many people were talking and knew about Canada much, you know. So most of the Russians would choose, first of all, to go to study to the UK. So I think still number one choice. Uh, US as well. And Canada was like maybe the last uh, on, on my list. And I uh, actually didn't think about education. But I was thinking to to do something about my life. I got kind of bored. I didn't have any like uh, uh, established personal life. Um, you know, it's uh, another thing. If you read about like Russian women, there are not enough men in Russia, honestly speaking. Oh. And I think it's also part of our history because we lost a lot of uh, men during all these wars we participated in in the past. So oh. it's a lot, a lot of women there. So, and wow. it's an it's actually relates to the, your question why Russians wear high heels and overdress. I think it's a part of it. It's kind of like competition. So we joke that. Even when you go to throw a garbage, you should look (laughs) sellable, you know, you should look amazing. So you never know when you're going to meet your prince. So (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that because if if that's true, well, because that's true, I I was going to ask you, it could go either way, right? It could be that competitive thing between women or it could be more a powerful thing you know there's more women and there's more you know ceos that are women and there's more kind of female empowerment so it could could go either way but you 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 think it's gone down more of the competitive route (laughs) yeah 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 exactly um i wish it was uh it's changing actually in the workplace environment we were talking about it right so there are more uh uh, women in uh, in in um, entering great jobs and building their careers but there is still a big difference and how much salaries they, they make versus mm. men. You know, it is changing though, and especially in such cities like uh, Moscow and St. Petersburg, um, they're quite advanced still. But there, these competitions still exist, and it's highly what I realized after like living for uh, how many years? Nine years? Nine years in in uh, Moscow that um, it's highly difficult to build your personal life. Because men really don't value you that much because they have a variety of choice. Right. You know? oh so gosh. variety of choice. So uh, the, the relationship are very short and brief. And I was just lacking of it because my my parents were very far. My All my siblings and relatives were there, even though I had my friends from like universities. And then I was like, okay, my goal was to uh, upgrade my my car. You know, some something like very tangible. And... Uh, Finally, I bought that RAV4 and I was actually traveling back to my story, traveling to my hometown. Uh, heard that lady talking a lot about Canada and I was like thinking, why do I need this car? And I just bought it. And I was like, 
it doesn't, it didn't make me happy for a second even. Maybe I should actually change something. I already moved to Moscow. I already far from my relatives. And as I said, if you conquer Moscow, you can conquer the world. <laughs> That's what yes. I believe, you know, nothing is scary anymore. So I decided like almost overnight, I told my parents as well, you know what, I, I'm selling it. They were like shocked, uh, selling my car. And uh, that's how I'm going to pay for my tuition. That was the idea. I did the, my research very quickly. It was uh, end of like 2012. And uh, already in January, I was here. In t- January 2013, I was in Canada. It was like very, very quickly. I told my employer as well that uh, I decided to to study. And um, I decided just to experience living in a new country. I decided that um, we'll see how it goes. I I I don't I don't I didn't plan to immigrate, just because um, still I I felt like a strong connection with my home country. Uh, but I wanted to try, and I wanted to come back maybe to Russia with an experience uh, studying mm-hmm. and working um, in another country. So. Because you'd already done all of that, you'd already done the school thing, and you'd already built a career, and so you were kind of, it was, it was a big step back almost to go back to school and to to build a new career abroad, but um, yeah, I think that's awesome, you just kind of decided that, and you just made it happen, and then yeah, there was no permanency to it, you just thought it would be a, an adventure, and then you'd end up back home, but um, what ended up happening, you're obviously here nine years later, so... Yeah, so what happened is uh, I, I decided to take postgraduate program, was a one-year program uh, in uh, George Brown College, one of the colleges uh, here in Toronto. There are plenty of them, right? Uh, doing my marketing uh, certificate. And I met my husband who was uh, from India. He was also an international student. He was doing his second program in the same college. So we were in the same class. And I remember my first day when he like sat down right in front of me and said, Hey, hello. And I was like, what a cocky guy. Like, I don't know. I found him very, very cocky and arrogant. I didn't like him. <laughs> it's always the best love stories. I feel like it's, yeah, there's always a bit of uh, tension at the beginning. <laughs> we became friends. Uh, we were like friends uh, since the beginning because he was very like friendly. And uh, because he arrived one year earlier than me, he was helping me with everything and we actually had relationship with other people, you know, so during our friendship, uh, until we decided actually to try to date our, to date, you yeah. know, and, uh, end up actually marrying each other quite quickly. So, <laughs> so your English obviously must have been pretty good when you moved to Canada for you to be a student and to, to interact. Obviously, English was your shared language between the both of you. So how, how was your English? Oh, that's actually a great question. So, um, I studied uh, English in Russia for quite a long time. I, I took some private tutors as well in my hometown. And then I went to the Faculty of Foreign Languages. Um, so it was English and Spanish that we were learning there. But it was a whole different alphabet too. I always, you know, that my friends went to Russia and they said it was a real culture shock really because you go there it's not just a different language but it's a different alphabet so the signs and everything so um but yeah english is is pretty widely spoken would you say um in bigger cities yes not in the uh, outside i think moscow in st petersburg and even in moscow you will find people who don't speak uh english well but um because i work with international students coming coming from all over the world i would say that russians have quite a, a decent uh, level of english you know mm. if they 
planning, if they're planning to study or and work in a foreign country. Um, but it, uh, going back to your question, it was one of the uh, actually goals to improve my English when I was coming to Canada. I always had this complex that my English is not good enough. I was afraid to speak. My IELTS was uh, it was actually half point lower than college uh, requested. And actually thought they're not going to take me, but they did an exception and they, they, they made an exception and they decided they, they gave me the letter of offer. So I did improve it uh, a lot while I was working and studying here for sure. But it's still, still, I, I, I'm not happy with this. Never happy with, with oh my, my gosh. English. I, I don't work. think I've heard you make one mistake. So you're all good. <laughs> <laughs> you're never ever going to be good enough, right? When you're speaking a second language, I feel like it's always just going to be in your head that you're, you're totally. not good enough. I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it all fell into place though, right? So you found your future husband, you improved your English, you found a job during your first year and then found a co-op. Honestly, I want to say just to everybody who is maybe planning uh, to, to immigrate or try living in another country, not necessarily in Canada, and maybe you would agree with me, uh, or maybe not. I feel that the first year is the most challenging mm-hmm. because usually... Uh, when you, when you uh, see such interviews, I don't know, some YouTube videos, people are selling like a bright picture right. that people are like waiting for you here. Like, uh, Canadians are very welcoming, but it is, it's a cultural shock anyway. You're yes. away from, uh, your friends, relatives, especially for me, it was a kind of a, like a shock, uh, either cultural or emotional. I don't know. You, you name it. Uh, I was already 26, so I was working already for five years, as I said. That's that's a, that's why I'm actually ex- explaining, right? I had already everything settled, and then imagine myself again, basically uh, going out of work. So I had to make a decision that I'm not going to work for one year, and I don't know what's going to be ahead of me, right? We'll actually find a job, or maybe not. Uh, and I need to plan my fin- finances as well. Would I actually afford? all this, uh, you know, journey in Canada. And uh, and I, I started to live in a homestay. So just to save money, I decided to live in a homestay, living like in a tiny room. Oh, my God. I'm just checking those pictures now. I was thinking, let's this crazy conditions. I mean, nothing against my homestay family, but uh, it's, 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 a, it's a shock. It's a difference, right? Like it's mm-hmm. something that you have to sacrifice. Again, starting from the, the beginning, in my case, at least that's how it was for my husband it was the same. He actually shared, I think, uh, one or two bedroom apartment with, uh, five people or maybe more. It was just crazy. They had like mattresses only, you know, mm. and I saw some students coming and uh, living kind of like, uh, very difficult uh, conditions. It's not just flowers, you know? Right. And that's a dangerous thing, really, that it's all just painted so positively because then that is why there's a crisis of you know mental health amongst international students and you know all those different uh struggles that they go through it's because it's it's a real shock like you said when they come here and it's not what they've been told it's like so yeah yeah, it's sad really it should there should be more platforms like this one that that we share you know the honest stories behind it of what it's like and then coming out the other side as well so there is hope so yeah, how long did it did it take for you to feel like your life was was on a good path and you you were settling? Uh, so what I did because I was strategically planning all this, even though it was quite fast, uh, I decided to network uh, with the Canadian companies before I even uh, arrived to Canada. 
So I, because I, I was working in the education industry already, I uh, registered myself for the biggest, uh, one of the biggest uh, international education fairs in St. Petersburg, actually. I traveled there on purpose and I set up the meetings with Canadian companies and uh, I exchanged the business cards with my future boss. So I, I ended up actually doing my co-op my work placement uh, in this organization that I found in St. Petersburg, you know, and I was working there for seven years right after. So, and and then I brought my husband to the company as well. So it did work well, you know, and um, I would not say it it was luck only. Uh, Maybe that sounds too confident, but I think I actually went out there, planned it, you know, and uh, just uh, connected with this organization, yeah, you were proactive to to do that. And it just shows that you could have gone to multiple events and multiple different things. But that one event and that one person you spoke to, that one person you gave your business card to, they really shaped your entire life and your husband's life, it sounds like, because he got a job as well. And you were there for seven years. That's, yeah, it just shows you never know who you're going to meet and, and who will improve yeah. everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. And when you come here as an international student, you have very limited time, you know. Mm. So if you've been studying for one year, you get a work permit for one year. And then if you decide to apply for the permanent residency, you need to gain this one year work experience before you apply. So meaning that once you graduate, you already should have a job, basically, right? A full-time good job. And uh, that is why my husband actually did a second program because he couldn't find like a decent job uh, that he could use for immigration purposes. So... And what happens is if you're doing like two or three year program or longer, then you get a work permit for three years. So that was his case. In my case, I spent less money, you know, due to this maybe proactiveness and networking before I even arrived to Canada. So this company was able to actually sponsor me. So uh, they did the provincial mini program for me, which is kind of rare. And at the same time, what interesting is I was doing a, another course in uh, Ryerson University. You probably know it is in the like evening classes, like continuous education classes and producing. And then when it came to apply for the work permit, what I did, I wrote a letter to immigration officer stating that I believe that this program, additional program, makes me eligible for three-year work permit instead of one year work permits because I was studying extra and they gave me for three like three year work permit. So wow. that was pretty Finding uh, loopholes. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it would work <laughs> now. But that was pretty awesome. How did you know about those things to to even know to ask for that? Is it just a lot of research? A lot of research and honestly it was my husband as well. He'd done his homework so well. He was managing all my applications and just the journey of like uh, us together, you know, so that's nice that you had somebody to to figure it all out with. Totally. Yeah, that was my support system here. So if you you've already given so much good advice already, but if you were to offer some advice to to a newcomer to Canada right now, what would you say has been your biggest lesson or your biggest piece of advice that you could share? Yeah, so one of them would be uh, network, uh, and I, I I started hate this word because everybody's talking about networking, right? But it is important, and um, uh, when you're a newcomer, you don't know that uh, most of the jobs are actually hidden, right? About like eighty percent of the jobs here in Canada they're not uh, published even. 
there are tools like um, to network, right? There would be one-on-one meetings, some conference that you can attend, informational interviews that you can set up and not and many newcomers actually know that it's a thing in Canada. Uh, or LinkedIn, is, it's, it's so uh, broadly used in Canada. And it is, by, by the way, LinkedIn is blocked in Russia. So oh, many really? Russians coming here, they actually don't know what it is. You have to educate them what it is and what is it oh, for. Oh, wow. And you have 3,000 followers or so on LinkedIn. So kudos to you. That's awesome. From zero to, to 3,000. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not that active as I, as I would like to be there. But yeah, um, I was uh, building my network um, uh, constantly, I think, in, in the especially in the education industry here in Canada. Yeah. It's really, it's really about just looking for opportunities everywhere, right? You've got to just land and then just be on the lookout for everything. Like I mentioned before, you don't know who you're going to meet that could lead to something or, you know, go to that one event that could lead to something. Just look for all the opportunities available and just kind of do as many as you can, really. And, um, yeah, you mentioned in our pre-interview questions about the immigrant mentality. And I would love to talk about that because, it's so interesting. I found, I found this amazing article. I'm going to share it in the show notes and I really recommend everybody read this, this report. It's, um, it's called Adopt an Immigrant Mindset to Advance Your Career. And it's written by Glenn Lopez and it's, um, posted on the Harvard Business Review. And it really runs through what that immigrant mentality is. And it, he's actually trying to convince people that live in their native country to adopt this immigrant mentality because we are so strong in so many different areas and we are really bossing life and bossing our careers out there. And um, yeah, it's a really inspiring read. So um, what would you say about uh, the immigrant mentality and, and what that means? I always relate to this article. I really liked it. Uh, and uh, I actually uh, found out about this article through one of my colleagues in Africa whose daughter actually went to US, the same, had a quite an uh, interesting journey as well, became quite successful in the music industry. So, and she was actually mentioning, she was like, have you heard about this uh, immigrant mindset? And uh, I was like, never. So she sent me this article and I totally was fascinated that uh, there is like some studies that about like 40% of Fortune 500 companies, they've been operating and founded, right, by the immigrants and or their children. So, yeah, I wrote that quote down too. It's the most well-known brands from, you know, Apple and IBM to Disney, McDonald's. These are all founded by immigrants. And, exactly. And the combined revenues, it's $4.2 trillion. So, you know, that's more than the GDP of most countries, right? I mean, immigrants are just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They're driving economy, especially Canadian economy, right? Mm-hmm. So, and uh, sometimes I, I, when I talk to international students who are coming at an older age, you know, uh, and they actually underestimate themselves. They, they, they don't see their value that, that they, they bring from back home as well. They have so much complexes and, uh, are always trying to actually build this, uh, you know, um, uh, self-esteem and, and trying to prove them that they're wrong. Uh, always, always refer to them to this article. So, um, you know, please uh, read it. It's, I think, quite a useful read. And uh, immigrant mindsets, totally worth reading as well for the locals, Canadians. Cause uh, as I said, I experienced living in a Canadian family. That was my first ever experience when I arrived to Canada. I knew nobody except this Canadian lady and she has two, two children. 
And she put so much effort in their education. One of them was studying in Queens, another one, I think, in Waterloo University. But then she decided just to drop her program and she was just working in the restaurant, even though her mother was constantly pushing her to do something more, you know, and... um and I still, I think she's still somewhere just doing this thing, you know, um, it's, uh, it's good read for, for the locals as well. Just basically you have a limited resources, you know, but that's the bottom line thing. You have limited time yes. and you got to utilize it as much as you can, uh, just building this, uh, in a new country. Exactly. You, you, it's that fresh mindset of you don't have a support network. You don't have a building block to jump from. You are starting from the floor up. And so, yeah, looking for those opportunities, um, you know, being flexible and reactive. And like what you did back in Russia, you're proactive. You went to events to try and find a Canadian employer for yourself. So it's that drive that we have to build a new life for ourselves. And we have you know, that adventurous, brave bravery to, to start over as well. So, yeah, inspiring stuff. It is inspiring. The entrepreneurial attitude is huge too, because as we mentioned, you know, those companies are founded by immigrants and it just shows that we are thriving entrepreneurs because, again, we want to reinvent ourselves and strive for bigger and better things for our families and to build a sense of community. And, um, yeah, there's there's so much in that article that's just so true because, yeah, entrepreneurial attitude is, is huge in the immigrant communities. Yes, yes, uh, totally. Um, and um, another lesson that I learned, I would say, I think uh, learning how to communicate in the way... Uh, for me, for instance, being polite, there were like funny stories, uh, when, uh, I thought that, uh, putting a, a letter, a, a word, please would be enough just to make the sentence sound polite, especially in the conversation when you write an email, you know, in the correspondence. And, uh, there were some, uh, there's a feedback that I received from my uh, former colleagues when they thought that I was absolutely rude when I was writing, like, uh, you know, asking, <laughs> requesting something because I never used like, could, would you be so kind or could you please, you know, this kind of stuff. So that's uh, something to know, especially for any Russian uh, listening to us. <laughs> please <laughs> send me this well, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. That's how I was thinking. And I was like, what? I was like so polite. I, I, but I said, please, you know, <laughs> so... <laughs> You just add a little mm. smiley face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exclamation point. Oh my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is amazing. Where can people go to connect with you, to learn more about what you do? Because you have over 11 years helping international students in the recruitment and education space. And you have amazing Slack group for international students to um, connect and get resources there as well. So share all of your good links with us and we can we can send people your way. Sounds good. So the, the best way to connect would be, I think, Instagram or TikTok. Uh, so it is alenasharma.ca. Quite easy. Uh, my name is Russian name, right? Alena and Sharma is my husband's last name. Um, so uh, what I do is I assist international students with their journey, education, if they need assistance in, you know, uh, with, with immigration or even the building their career. So I do some sessions with them, like one-on-one meetings as well, reviewing their resumes, cover letter, giving them tips on how to go with an interview in a new country. Uh, so feel free. Uh, I'm uh, trying to be more active this year. Uh, it's been hectic uh, with the 
quarantine and us traveling uh, and and uh, all this COVID situation. But I promise you there will be good content coming up soon. So feel free to connect and uh, just uh, shoot me an email. Uh, or uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, by the way, so you can find me um, the same uh, the Fantastic. same way. And I saw that you were recently invited to complete your citizenship test too, back in November. So congratulations for that. Have you done that now? What's the update yes. on that? Yes, I've done it. Uh, so it was good. Now I'm just waiting for invitation to the citizenship ceremony. Ooh, Fingers amazing. crossed. <laughs> I get my Canadian passport. I need to do mine still. Oh, I still haven't even started mine. But um, yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah. Any advice for those of us pursuing this? Did you learn anything during the process? Ah, uh, just to wait. Just to wait. <laughs> just <done>. to wait. <laughs> it's a lot of waiting as well, right? Yeah. It's oh, it'll be so worth now. it, won't it? Just to be here and know that you have that passport for for your life for for the future. That's yeah. I'm, I've got to get on it, but yeah. <laughs> Easy to travel as well because uh, some people could relate, especially like uh, from. I don't know if your European countries, probably not, but from countries like Russia, India, or other cultures, we cannot really freely travel that much. We have to re- uh, apply for the visas, spend money and time, you know. So with the Canadian passport, certainly so much easier to travel. Oh, well, you should hear from them soon, hopefully, and then you can, um, yeah, pick up that passport. So jealous. I'll be, I'll be joining you soon. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a wonderful conversation. Um, yeah, let me know if you need anything else. Thanks, Elena. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week.